Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. What up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? It's going great. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yay. Happy fucking New Year, everyone. This is Weed and Grub. Yeah. Welcome to Weed and Grub, everybody. It's a podcast about weed. And grub. And pop culture. And sex. And New Year's. And food. And sex. And weed. And resolutions. Yep. And happiness for your soul. Yeah. Treating yourself well. Having good sex. Doing better. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I cut you off. You were saying having good sex? With you or with a partner. Yep. Partners. Yep. All of it. We saw a sex couch at a party the other night. Yeah. Nobody was using it. No one was on that sex couch. It was up on a rooftop in Beverly Hills at a New Year's Eve party, and everybody was hanging out, having a good time, but that was definitely a couch that was for orgies, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It was like modular. You could move it in different parts or you could have it in this kind of one big like cuddle puddle thing. That thing would have on Burning Man, like on the Burning Man playa. Yeah. It would have been covered in bodies and boots and dust. Yep. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Beverly Hills, step up your game next time. Yeah. What? Nobody on the sex couch. What's going on? Right. That's not a party. Well, you know what the problem was? No one was smoking weed. That was, how surprising was that? It was really surprising, actually. I mean, like, we both, like, I smoked some weed with some friends there and stuff, but I think overall the party was very non-weed related. Like, it was a lot of booze, maybe some other things. I don't know. I don't think so. Oh. I don't think there were other things there. Oh, maybe not. Which I was surprised at, too. If we're in Beverly Hills, I assume, like, everyone is going to be on cocaine talking about projects that they're never going to (laughs) finish. You know? It was a nice time. It was brightly lit. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. Yeah. No, no really good weed. That's true. But it was a good time. <laughs> no good, no <laughs> sex in public, no big fat blunts, but otherwise actually really fun. Nobody fucking on couches. <laughs> <laughs> People listening to this are like, oh, you should have come to my party. Yeah. Listen, I had a whole, you know, lubed up coconut infused oil party with swings. <laughs> Invite me next time. There you go. Go into, do you want them in your DMs? You know. Slide on in there. There you go. Damn right. Yeah. Speaking of a uh, little hungover oh. while we record this, and also I'm feeling a little froggy. So anybody who's listening, sorry if you don't enjoy the sound of my throat right now, but I don't like how it feels. Why is that? What's wrong with you? I think I think that wh- I flew home from, or I flew back here from the holidays. Oh, in a germ tube? In a germ tube. That's what... Thank you. An airplane is a germ too. You're so right. I saw a girl on one of my flights this uh, Christmas wiping down every, you know, she like put down the table. She wiped that down. She wiped down the armrest. She wiped down the little thing that blows air on you. She wiped down the window shade and she looked crazy, but I was like, you know, you kind of have the right idea. Mm-hmm. It's gross. It is. I forget that those things are just like turned over back and forth, back and forth, just refuel, just you don't know who's in those seats. Nobody dresses up in suits and dresses anymore, like flying is a luxury palace in the sky. No, people take their shoes off. <laughs> yeah. It's disgusting. You're so right. <laughs> Keep your shoes on, okay? God. Not cool. Not cool. So I think that's what got me is mm. is just like, you know, a four hours in a germ tube. Breathing the same air over and over and over. Mm. But thank you for the drink you made me. Oh, you're welcome. It did make me feel better. I don't know if anyone else is feeling maybe a little sick, maybe a little hungover, but I think it's worth sharing your recipe because it really did help. Okay. I took a bunch of ginger root and I finally minced it. And then I squeezed a lime and a half, uh, put the ginger in that to steep with a whole whack of honey. And then I heated a mug up and then I put vodka in the mug so the vodka would heat up a little bit and be warm. 
poured all of that, uh, mixed all of that in together with hot water and then finished it with cardamom, nutmeg, no, cardamom, cayenne, and a squeeze of uh, turmeric, um, like essential kind of dropper thing that I oh, have. That's like turmeric essential oils almost? Yeah. Similar? Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. And then topped it with some lime and ginger slices. Oh, delicious. Did, did it help? It Yeah, it opened everything up because it's, you know, that spiciness that like lets your nose breathe free. Mm-hmm. Because it feels like you have two parachutes that are open inside it. Nice. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Just parachutes <laughs> filled with snot inside your nose. But it popped those parachutes. I could have also just given you a giant hit of wasabi. Yeah. That probably would have worked just as well. No, that was delicious. Thank you. It always Also, it always feels nice when somebody wants to take a little bit of care of you. Yeah. When you're, when you're just feeling ill. Because, like, my move usually is to order a... Sh- $50 in Chinese food at Postmates, yeah. turn on Netflix, and just sleep for three days. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm so all about that. But sometimes you just want someone to bring you like a hot drink and, you know, put a put a little blankie on you. <laughs> That's it. Tuck, 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 tuck. What other ha- hangover kind of cures have you experienced in your life or like um, sick uh, remedies, cold remedies? Well, for hangovers, usually my hangover cure is just like not stopping. Yeah, hair of the dog. You know, yes. push, push. That's how I used to roll. Yeah. Like it, you're going to sleep hard. A couple hours after that hair of the dog, which you mm-hmm. need anyway. Yeah. But I don't know why. But just pushing it one more time. Yeah. It's good. I think it's been scientifically proven that it's kind of the worst thing that you can do for yourself. But fuck it, it works. How do you feel about weed as a hangover remedy? Huge fan. Mm-hmm. Huge fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and before it became like CBD heavy and you know what I mean? Where it was like picked apart, like trying to buy a toothbrush in the toothbrush aisle. Yeah. And it's like, this one has hard. This one has medium. This uh, one's only for your tongue. Just give it to me. Give me the fucking weed. <laughs> They're toothbrushes, mm-hmm. but I, but before all of that, it was just like, I'll smoke anything. But now, honestly, for me, an indica when I'm hungover is the move. Yeah. Like a big fat bong rip mm-hmm. or just like a bowl that I slowly smoke while waiting for Postmates. Oh my God. That sounds perfect. That really is the perfect hangover yeah. remedy. I just had some of this mimosa, which is, uh, well, I have a mimosa in front of me and also I just smoked some mimosa, which is, uh, Ooh, new year, best life. Yeah. It's a delicious hybrid that, yeah, it's just sort of perfect. It balanced out the fact that I was like feeling kind of scratchy and tired and a little crotchety and made me look forward to dinner. And I know I'm going to be in bed at eight. <laughs> That's so nice. Yeah. Those are good hangover cures. Yeah. I'd like to hear if anyone else has any hangover cures. I mean, there's some fucking weird ones out there. Like there's a, there's a, like a egg and a glass of tomato juice with some, like a shot of clam juice and a, I don't know. Yeah. Spanking. I don't know. You know what used to spanking? <laughs> <laughs> Hi neighbor. Can I borrow an egg and can you slap my ass? Yeah. Sure. You hung over? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, sometimes uh, coming is good and coming is bad. I've oh. had it both ways Whoa. where like I've had like either morning sex or just like been like, I just got to like jack off and pass out. I don't know. Okay. But sometimes <laughs> I feel great. And other times it makes my head hurt worse because I feel like, oh, there goes the last of the water in your body. Like you are now a raisin of a human being. And wow. it's bad. You've had it feel worse. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Come. Hmm. I don't know if I've ever had the experience where an orgasm has made me feel bad. Like if you're coming, you would hope that that is some kind of yeah, just great thing. Of course. Yeah. Huh. So I don't know. That's... I want to hear from other people about that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Has, has anyone else felt like a, a dry husk <laughs> of corn? Where your soul just passed through your eyes and yeah. now you're just lying there like a cockroach skin? <laughs> or. <laughs> or does be- it feel great? <laughs> I am of the latter. Yeah. Hangover cures. Yeah. Write to us. Comment 
on it. On it. Comment. <laughs> co- co- comment on uh, that. There we go. Um, well, we got through the holidays, flew home in germ tubes. Yep. Celebrated New Year's. It's 2019. Yeah. Happy freaking New Year. It's very cool. Um, one of the cool things that happened that I just wanted to mention, like ripped from the headlines. Mm. Uh, oh, nice. wanna, yeah. We want to talk a little bit more about like news that's going on as like part of part of our podcast. Uh, so ripped from the headlines uh, on December 18th, uh, the farm bill was signed, which legalized hemp and CBD nationwide. It's a huge deal. It's another step on the way to legalizing marijuana federally, as they have done in Canada. And um, yeah, a really, really great, awesome thing. So I just wanted to mention it. It, it happened. You might, have, you might have missed it because it happened right before the holidays. But uh, hemp and CBD are now legal federally uh, through the Farm Bill, which was signed on December 18th. Oh, CBD too. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. So it, I've never thought of it as one-to-one. Like if hemp is legal, next step down the line is weed. But right. but they are they're baby steps. Yes, absolutely. And I mean hemp and and I mean hemp is cannabis. So you know the only difference. Yeah, is but that I don't hemp... wear cannabis around my neck with puka shells. That's true. You should. It would be good luck. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. Re- yeah. Di- Some bleach. Oakleys. There you go. Bleach my hair blonde again. Yeah. Oh, you've had bleached blonde hair with a tongue ring that had an eight ball in it. Please, God, let me see a picture of this. Do you want to hear my high school look? Yes. Bleach blonde hair. Sometimes I put blue t- tips on it. No. Goatee that I also bleached. Dude. Uh, sometimes I didn't bleach and it was just like bleach blonde top and a dark goatee. Mm-hmm. Uh, tongue ring mm-hmm. with an eight ball in it. What does that mean? Like the top of the ring, the ball. Yeah. Oh, that, so it wasn't a ring. It was a post. It's a post. And then the top of the post had an eight ball on it. Dude. That I would click against my uh, my teeth and oh. like play with all day. Oh. Yeah. And then uh, hoop earrings in both ears. And then... Uh, a couple more piercings in my ears and uh and some like khaki they're like some abercrombie wow you were like a like a what what is that look i don't even know like uh, a bro? like like if hot topic fucked american eagle wow yeah wow what was your evolution out of that i mean did you get laid yeah so you, you like you were like getting high and getting laid mm-hmm. with that look yeah okay because everyone in my school owned like Abercrombie, like you know what I mean. Like when you live sure. in St. Louis, whatever's at the mall, yeah, is what you're buying. We all, nobody here is look, looking to blame anyone for what they looked like in high school or yeah. who we were in high school. I mean, come on. Right. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. So, but and so yeah, and so that's what it was. But what was your evolution? Because you're, I mean, that's so very far from who you are today. <laughs> um. Well, after that, I moved into like big baggy raver shit because I started going to raves. Okay. And then after going to raves, and I think probably in college. I think everything changed because then I had no money. I had nothing. So I would just go to thrift stores. Yeah. And just buy thrift shit. Yeah. But that's when my shit popped off because now I'm like making cool, cool combos with like old school shirts. Yeah. And weird vests. And and, you were making your own style. And I was making my own style Mm. through thrift stores. Yeah. And I I wish I could give more detail about like, oh, it looked like this and that. But it's kind of one of those, if you don't see a picture, it's not worth describing. Yeah. Yeah. But that's kind of how I started to come into my own until I slowly windowed it down to today, which is a a rotation of four sweatshirts, three t-shirts, one pair of jeans and two pairs of shorts. And you got a couple hats, right? Oh, I do have some hats. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Where, when did the beard come into play? Um... Um, like I know you've said after you stopped playing hockey. after college, yeah, yeah, after college, because in college, I I was kind of clean shaven hmm. and crazy. Hmm. So yeah, what do you mean crazy? 
I just like, I was a fucking maniac. Wow. Yeah. How, how do you mean? Uh, I just drinking, partying, yelling, screaming, lifting weights. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was like, I never wanted to go to high school. I never wanted to go to college. I just wanted to do comedy my whole life. And so as soon as I was free from high school and I was like, fuck college, I was there for five years. I shouldn't have gone at mm. all. Hmm. If I'm going to be honest, I just wanted to do comedy. And so I fucked off. Um, so I was just crazy because I was like, I'm free. Fuck all of this. I, I just want to be in Chicago performing, but I don't have, but I don't have the guts to have that conversation with my parents and I don't have the guts to just drop out. So instead I'm just going to act out. Wow. Yeah. Really fucked up and really irresponsible in hindsight, but I I didn't have the emotional, um, uh, what would the word be? The emotional... Like I wasn't maturity maturity to Mm -hmm. to like actually use my voice. It's so cool to hear you talk about this because I feel like there are so many people out there who never evolved to actually be able to look back at who they were and how they can learn from, you know, the mistakes that they made. Like, I I mean, I have friends who were are now the same person, just an older version of who they were when they were in college. It sounds like you have had some like massive evolutions. Mm -hmm. Did it happen when you moved to Chicago? Yeah, because yeah. I finally found my people. Yeah. You know, not to say my f- I don't have friends from growing up in high school and college. We mm-hmm. hung out with one of them the other day, Joel. Yeah. You know, but yeah, I finally found my people when I found the art community in Chicago. And that's when I started to like be like, oh, this is who I am. Now I know who I am instead of just being angry all the time because I don't know who I am. Yeah. Because I don't feel like I belong. Wow. That's so hemp, huh? Yeah. <laughs> 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 bringing it back when you were in college was that uh when you we, we were having a conversation the other night about like dating throughout our lives and like different times like meeting different people and like I was talking about when I lived in Ireland oh Remember I was telling you about like the three. my yeah my weird experience of dating in Ireland and like um this is part of a bigger conversation, but we were talking about misogyny and how, you know, cultures that claim to revere women are actually terribly misogynistic, Ireland being one of them. And like the three guys that I dated in Ireland were three different facets of like the very kind of complex relationship that Irish men have with women who want to fuck. And um, Meaning you, like yeah. you just wanted to fuck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was just, you know, young and single and there to have a great time. And I ended up meeting a wonderful guy and falling in love with him and moving to Paris and having a great couple of years. So the end my story was very happy, but... That was really interesting to encounter these guys before. I mean, I'm happy to share those stories, but I wanted to know from you about like dating at that time in your life in college. Like, did you have like, I don't know. Do you have any crazy dating stories from that time of like what you were like or how, okay. what situations you ended right. up in? Come on. Fine. It's it is new a new year. year. Yeah. Let's all right. shut it all. We can, this is a podcast where we can be as open as we choose. Yeah. No. Uh, I will tell some, some horror dating stories if you will also share some absolutely and if anybody else out there wants to share any i don't know like i do want to hear from other people about this absolutely and also we should come back to how ireland is like i want to i want to talk about when you say like ireland the misogyny but they're holding women up on a pedestal because that sounds very interesting yeah i'd like to learn about that okay Okay. wow so much to work back (laughs) so what is this part one of a four-part series for weed and grub just gonna smoke some more weed great so i it was well college for me was i think like i don't know about many people but for me it was a lot of just like casual sex that was consensual fun safe and constant and that was great it was not necessarily fulfilling but it was something to do to pass the time because who wants to go to class yeah you know what i mean yeah so it was like you want to do that again it's like yeah we're in our prime life is crazy i'm on my own and 
I'm having a great time. So, yeah. uh, but then I got in a couple of relationships with people. Um, one of them was like wickedly, um, I don't know, maybe you know the word, but it was like, all we would do is get in huge fights that we would start ourselves because we liked the electricity of getting in a huge fight with each other, especially in public. Mm. Oh, to do a good fight in public where we're screaming at each other and everybody is looking at us and we are like passionately angry with each other. But in the back of our heads, we know as soon as one of us storms out of there and the other one chases them screaming at the top of their lungs, we're going to have the best fucking sex we've ever had because we're so mad and we hate fuck. Like, it was just hate fucking at that point. Wow. And so that was a really bad cycle that I was in for a couple months with her. But neither of us could get out of it. And I don't know what the term for that is, but it was it was addictive. Yeah, Those it is. kind of spikes, those kind of highs. Yeah. Like the, the feeling that alive. All your endorphins are, oh. yeah, everything's firing off. And yeah. Yeah. You're flushed and hot. And yeah, I mm. mean, it's primal. It is. Um. I would say that uh, sounds like manufactured crisis in order to spike your endorphins so that then you could like, yeah, get that out of your system. A manufactured crisis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. You know, those couples Whoa. who love to fight about nothing and then go home and like, fuck, like their lives depended on it. Yeah. They're manufacturing those little crises too. And I can't, I can't, I don't think it's sustainable and I don't think it's a healthy way to live, but it's certainly something that a lot of people do. When I used to bartend at Cafe Luxembourg, there was a couple who um, lived upstairs on the upper west side of New York, very wealthy, lovely, gorgeous looking couple. He was like a older rock star and she was like a beautiful model. And they would come in, sit at the bar, drink too much, fight, And then every time, you know, one of them would storm out and then the other one would like have another drink and leave. And then the next time they would come in, they'd be all lovey-dovey. And you just knew that, yeah, that's exactly what they were doing. That's incredible. Yeah, manufacturing a crisis in order to have something to resolve. Yes. You know, they should all go to therapy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Because life isn't boring. But you don't. Sex can be beautiful without it being angry. You know, it is much more beautiful, in fact, when it's not. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can be you can be like passionate and intense and and even aggressive without it being angry. Yeah. You know? Choke me out while saying I love you. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That sounds. How did that end? That whole situation with this um, wonderful I'm, gal. I'm, I'm not gonna say her name. Okay. But uh, one time we were driving through my neighborhood, mm. uh, leaving a party where we had gotten in another fight. Yeah. And it was embarrassing because this one, a lot of my friends were at. And Jesus Christ, okay. And uh, we were driving, and I was like, this is not working out. That Those were my friends. This is really embarrassing. I think we should see other people. And then she opened the car door and fell out of the car. She just took her seatbelt off and leapt out of my car at 35 miles per hour. And I hit the brakes as fast as I could after my brain registered that my passenger seat was empty, and my car door is wide open, and, you know, that's the tree side, so I... I, I hit the brakes. She's screaming at the top of her lungs. She's laying in the grass. She's like, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. And I'm like, you just jumped out of my car. Lights are coming on all over the neighborhood because we're in a fucking neighborhood and it's early. And it's like, who is screaming in this suburban neighborhood at the top of their lungs? Something's going on. And I get her and I get back there and I get her back in the car. And she has a couple scrapes and scratches, but she's fine. And I drive her back to her car in silence. Both of us knowing that was a big move yeah. and um and then uh i was like we're done right and she was like yeah and then yes she jumped out of my car but also 
I couldn't cut her out cold turkey. Mm. Uh, I couldn't just like slice that piece of pie cleanly. Like Mm -hmm. I needed to like when I took the cake out, there was still like some icing dripping off it and like left behind in the pan. So we still went on a couple dates and we still did the thing every once in a while just because we had to like wean ourselves off of each other. Mm -hmm. And then the part that was the end of it was I picked her up once to go out and I instinctively didn't even think of it but i locked the car doors as soon as we started driving and she goes oh you think i'm gonna do that again you think i'm fucking doing this shit what are you fucking doing and i was like oh and instead of me being like no sorry i was just like you know instead of like betaing it and just being like oh sorry about that and everything i was like well maybe you will like i don't know and like and i was like this is we're done and that was the end of it wow yeah i mean talk about manufactured crisis like throwing yourself out of a car is a pretty good one it was yeah you know yeah fuck i love that word so much yeah it's so what a tight two words well it's a lot of what's happening at a fucking global level right now like we have currently someone sitting in the white house manufacturing crises and hoping that someone will fucking do what he wants you know what i mean so that's so true oh it's like wah 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 it's an emotionally manipulative often abusive fucking tactic that um fucked up people use in order to get you to do what they want because you have to respond to the crisis as opposed to having a conversation like a fucking grown up. Wow. And it's super common, of course, when you're like crazy kids in college. Yeah. But, um, you know, I mean, I had my own, like, I remember being jealous of my boyfriend talking to a girl at a party when I was 16 and he was a lot older and we were in Montreal and I was kind of new to Montreal. I was 16, you know, I was like, I was a kid really. Um, but uh, I was jealous at this party and I manufactured a crisis where I kind of like fell off a couch and like hurt my hip, you know, and, you know, he had to pay attention to me. And I remember him like looking at me and being like, you're making this up. This isn't OK. You're fine. And I was like, oh, really? you know, you and were I screaming and crying and like, I can't walk. And it's so bad. Yep. Had a whole meltdown. And, you know, if if I saw him today, I, I would apologize to him unreservedly and be like you were totally right I was totally making that up because I needed the attention and I didn't know how to get it and I didn't have healthy coping mechanisms to deal with what I was feeling which was this bottled up panic that you were talking to another girl Mm -hmm. you know I mean this girl throwing herself out of your car was like I mean she could have died she could have really fucking hurt herself she was everything about that was like fortunate yeah in a very unfortunate way so scary that she would go to that level to sort of like register her despair at the fact that you were ending the relationship. Yeah. Well, and I don't think it was about me. No. You know, like there was, I don't, I think at first I was like, oh man, she loves me. But then I think like once I removed that bullshit notion and like self, that self-preservation about like, yeah, it is all about me and I got the goods. And then I was like, oh no, this has, this is, this isn't about me at all. Like this is just that was her choice yeah if someone's doing crazy shit like that it's really not about you like my insane ex used to um the very few times that uh early on in our relationship before I was like fully um you know down the rabbit hole so far that I couldn't get out when I was still like tentative about things and questioning things there were a couple of times where I was like I think we should not see each other or take a break or whatever and he um threatened suicide and once even called me and said that he had taken pills and like I was listening to him die on the other end of the phone. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. He was an expert at manufacturing crises that would end up with me going to get him in a hotel where he had holed up for days doing drugs and getting drunk and you know, taking him back home where he could be safe. And that's, you know, and the definition of that for me, I'm a codependent, meaning like I feel the need to fix things when someone else is going through something because it enables me to feel useful and vital. And also it means that I don't have to pay attention to my own shit. That's 
So interesting. <laughs> so yeah, when it comes to someone who manufactures crises, I'm like a fucking sitting duck for that shit. And I'm like, oh, what can I help? Like, let me not pay attention to what's going on in my own life and like deal with my own stuff and let me rush over here and deal with your totally made up problem. Yeah. You know, for a long time, I didn't realize that was what was going on. But especially in that relationship with that person, he was such a fucking expert at um, just all of a sudden, you know, I mean, to the to the point where like when my father died, you know, we were together at that time and he couldn't deal with me having to take my attention away from him and actually deal with something real in my own life. And that's when our relationship ended was because he became such a fucking wreck. Mm-hmm. Um, How crazy that that was the line. Yeah. That then all of his manufactured crises at that point weren't working like anything that he had that was his deal. I was just like, no, this is now the, the line. So what, what works for you as a self proclaimed self-knowing raging codependent, raging codependent. (laughs) So like what, what works for you to like, Oh man, to not just somebody's like, eh, and you're like, yep. Yeah. It's really fucking hard. I will say it's one of the hardest things that I've ever done is to, um, first off recognize it and then sort of like just start to really work on it. Massive amounts of therapy. Um, uh, trying to find a way to be truly comfortable when alone without being lonely. It's a big one. Um, occupying my time without focusing on anyone else, just completely filling my day with my own things. And, And also to know the red flags when someone like my ex, you know, is on the horizon and they're having some, you know, crazy meltdown about something that is completely, you know, if not totally made up and manufactured, definitely inflated to a point where it's becoming a crisis when it's really not. Yep. You know? That sounds so healthy and wise. And weed. And weed. <laughs> so hemp, huh? Hemp's legal? Hemp is legal. That's so neat. Hemp's legal. Federal Farm legal. Farm yeah, bill. It's a big deal. So cool. Helping with codependence. <laughs> <laughs> so shout out to Josh. Well, for what? Well, he won that magical butter contest. Oh, yeah. With his Oreo eyeballs infusion uh, Halloween treat yeah, recipe. Exactly. Shout right? out. Yeah. Yeah. So magical butter machines are going all over this dang country. We send it to Claw Money. We have so many people who are using them now. And if you don't know what the magical butter machine is, it is the easiest, simplest, set it and forget it way to make easy infusions at home. It's great for the home chef. If you like to cook with weed, it's the best way to be able to infuse all of your butters, oils, tinctures, just with a set it and forget it. You put your herb in there and you put whatever infusion coconut oil butter whatever and then you just walk away bye yep come back you can bake cookies you can make lube um you could you know maybe make some cookies and dunk them in some lube (laughs) oh i didn't know what to say (laughs) i panicked (laughs) you pour the uh infusion through the purify filter bags that come with your magical butter machine strain them using the silicone love glove and you have you know weed butter for days yeah or you can make chocolates it comes with all these molds so you can make chocolates you can make gummies a tincture which is great to sneak into a concert Mm -hmm. that's the best spray a little under the tongue yeah, I'm excited to make gummies with the Magical Butter Machine. They send uh, silicone molds and all sorts of accoutrement, and you can go on their website at MagicalButter.com and look up all the recipes that they have for you to just, you know, yeah, infuse your own food, man. MagicalButter.com. Enter the promo code Weed and Grub, all one word. That's not part of it. Just Weed and Grub is part of it. Yeah. The word don't write and one all one word. <laughs> just write Weed and Grub. At MagicalButter.com for 30 bucks off. MagicalButter.com. Enter the promo code Weed and Grub at checkout and they'll give you $30 off your very own Magical Butter machine. Congrats, Josh. I think this kind of... I, I kind of want to go back. I didn't expect this to go this way, but mm. I would love to go back to Ireland and the matriarchy oh. because I think it ties into something we wanted to talk about, which is how... Um, 
about being a witch mm. and how empowering that is now. Right. Um, well, you were talking to me about that. Uh-huh. And all. So what do you mean that women are held up on a pedestal in Ireland, even though they yell at you and call you a whore? <laughs> right. It's the Madonna whore complex, right? So like a lot of those um, societies, I grew up in one in Newfoundland and, you know, any of the sort of, I think a lot of the very... Um, uh, Catholic countries actually have this sort of, you know, Madonna whore complex where you're either, you know, they put you completely up on a pedestal or you're, you're either, you know, mother Mary or you're Mary Magdalene. Those yeah. are the two types that you can be. So when I, uh, say that they, you know, revere women and put them up on a pedestal, it means that, you know, women are, you know, as, as mothers and as, you know, the heart of the home and all of that sort of stuff, as much as they are in the evangelical world in the U S they're revered. And then they're also completely stripped of any rights or agency as women. So to claim to like revere and respect women while completely denying them of fucking personhood is just like a huge crock of shit that women have been, you know, uh, fed for a long time and forced to swallow while believing that it means that they're somehow like these sacred fucking beings. Right. So when I ended up in Ireland, I was very young and I didn't really understand. Um, you were three. Any of that. No, I was 21, 20. Yeah. 21, 22, I guess. And I dated uh, three guys. I hooked up with three guys, um, each of whom had a different way of being fucked up about being an Irish guy with a, a woman who felt free about having sex with them. Mm-hmm. The first guy um, took me home, Philip. Uh, we we met in a bar, and I was like, "Yeah, let's," you know. And he was like, "Really, you're gonna, you know, go home with me?" And I went home with him, and we had sex uh, during which he cried, and then afterwards he told me that I was a whore. Holy shit. Yeah. And um, it was really pretty fucking interesting to uh, then I had to stay the night. I couldn't go home that night because I didn't have any way to get back to my house. So I had to spend the night there. And in the morning, his girlfriend came around no. and knocked on the door and he was like crying. He was like, please, you have to hide. Like, he, I mean, he was just a fucking mess. But um, it that was, wasn't the first time either. No, no. Right. No, but I think it it was pretty rare when I was living in Ireland for a girl to go home with a guy. Like you would make out with him in the bar. You might dry hump him, you know, up against the wall behind the dumpster or whatever. But sure. you weren't going to go home with him. Um, so the fact that I went home with this guy and then the next guy who... Um, Hold on. But I'm sorry, but she came there and what yeah. did you do? Did you just be like, hi, sorry, excuse me. Bye. I didn't say anything. I mean, you she just... was pounding on the front door and I was like, this isn't a fight that I want to be in. I didn't realize you had a girlfriend. I'm sorry she's here. You know, I feel awful now, you know, being here and knowing that you just cheated on her with me. But also it's not my fight to have. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we waited for her to go and then I left um, and never saw him again. He called me a bunch. Sure. I was like, what, are you going to cry some more and then call me a whore again? No, thanks. I'm good. Um, then the next guy, uh, Darren, no, Derek. I went home with Derek and we got back to his place and fooled around and then just went to sleep. Didn't have sex. And I woke up to him jerking off on me. No, what the fuck? <laughs> Mary Jane, mm-hmm. what the fuck? I woke up, I was lying on my stomach and he had pushed my shirt up so that it was like my back was exposed and he was kneeling over me and he was jerking off. And I didn't know what to do. And this is a very common story, I think, for uh, women in this position, especially when you're young. You don't know what to do, so you freeze. Mm-hmm. And so for anyone who's like, you know, you could have just gotten up and left or whatever. Like, I, I fucking experienced it. I was like, I don't want to be rude. I'm in this guy's bed. Me being in his bed is implied consent. I guess he can do this. I don't like the whole, you know, and it's it's really. And what happens if I say no, right? Or I like flip out? He could beat me up. Any of that kind of stuff. It's fucking insidious and um, 
and gross. And, you know, luckily right now we're starting to change the way that young women and men are thinking about this and consent and all that kind of stuff. But, um, I certainly didn't know any of that. And, you know, whenever that was 1999 or whatever. And, um, yeah, he jerked off on me and then, um, pulled my shirt down, rolled over and went to sleep. So that was Derek, <laughs> who also, he followed me for a while. He followed me to London. I think he was just so fascinated by the idea that there was a girl who like knew what she wanted and right. didn't have to, you know, call her mom or whatever when she, you know, yep. Uh, and then the third guy, uh, was a chef and he was lovely. Uh, I that's what's with up. <laughs> Good. I'm so glad this has a happy ending. <laughs> uh, he was a chef, uh, worked at the restaurant that I was waitressing at and he came over to my house. He cooked for me. Uh, we had a great time. We hooked up, uh, but he only wanted to do anal. What the fuck? <laughs> Get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. Which is another like preserve the rosebud for the husband kind of idea, which I think is fairly common. Mm-hmm. Like if you, you know, if you're having anal sex, it means you're still preserving the hymen. Right. And the virginity. Yeah. Which is just. And it's, it's like, it's not real sex. It's not real sex, which I mean, yeah, it is guys. <laughs> <laughs> it super is. It's super real sex. If anything, it's far more intimate. Yeah. Than, you know, penis and vagina. So those were the three sort of facets of my hookups with I. And then I met, you know, had a great two years with a wonderful guy who was like forward thinking and awesome. Nice. Um, Good. Those are my dating stories. Holy cow. <laughs> If anyone else out there wants to share a story, they can be anonymous. Yeah. Um, please share them if you like. If not, I think we have more that we will be sharing oh, definitely. in the future. I mean, I really enjoy talking about this kind of stuff with you because it helps bring it out into the light. And, you know, for me, like dispel some of the shame that I have felt definitely through my life as, you know, uh, a girl who has always been open and free about wanting to have sex. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, now I'm, a, I'm at a point in my life where it's okay for me to say that. And, you know, sort of like give my younger self a bit of a reprieve. It's good. Absolutely. Yeah. Which goes into uh, witchy empowerment. Oh. Speaking of like weed and right. smoking and okay. spirituality. And, you know, we live in a we live in a city where everyone has a crystal in their pocket. Definitely. And a dream catcher wrapped around their heart. Yeah, it's true. Um, and I think, well, we were talking about this because... Uh, I had read an op-ed that was saying that, you know, in this weird time in the world, uh, witchcraft is sort of coming more and more to the forefront as a spiritual movement for people who are not uh, looking to associate themselves with an organized religion, but they want the, you know, the sort of spiritual aspects of having like a practice and ritual and, you know, um, appealing to a higher power, all that kind of stuff, right? Yes. But one of the things that I read that I mentioned to you that I thought was so interesting was that, um, which being a witch is one of the few places where a woman has more agency as she grows older. That's so fucking cool. Yeah. Just really stuck with me. And I was like, that makes so much sense. Well, you just did a podcast, the yeah. Basic Witches podcast. Yeah. It'll be coming out sometime in this new year. Sometime soon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, all three of you, the way you described it was like, just like you walked out of there feeling light as air and kind of on fire in a positive way. Totally. Well, yeah, it's about, you know, uh, sisterhood and um, sharing stories of coming through trauma, you know, is a big part of like learning how to uh, heal yourself is, is sort of witchy. Yeah. Um, all that kind of stuff. They had a a guest uh, named Amanda Garcia Yates who said that for her, the definition of, um, you know, coming into your, uh, personhood as a witch has to do with uh, going into the underworld when you've experienced trauma and then finding your way back and healing. And then once you're back, you know, the way back so you can help other people find their way. Yeah. And I thought that was really beautiful and a cool way to look at healing from trauma and then coming into power as, as a witch 
and I don't think I'm a witch, but I love witchy things. And, and I love the idea of, um, which, which is becoming more powerful the older they get. Well, yeah, because like we've talked about it before, but every, uh, Disney film, it's always the old woman who's a witch is jealous of the young woman and just wants to like steal her looks or steal her job or steal her shine. But that's the patriarchy. And that's the fucking patriarchy. The patriarchy is saying the older women are trying to steal younger women's shine. That's not the fucking case at all. <laughs> it's men. <laughs> <laughs> so sit down and shut up. Dang. Mm. Yeah, that's what's up. Yeah, because uh, the older I get, or I don't even know, I'm not, I'm Jewish, but I'm not very Jewish. Like I, I grew up with the religion, but I, um... I think I'm about as Jewish as most Jews are sure. for the most part. You like know? secular, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So, um, but it's a pretty easygoing religion as far as like, just be a good person, be yourself, treat people with kindness, listen, mm-hmm. give, just give, Yeah, you know? And I think that's a big part of it. And so I never grew up like with the, um, the religions that place a lot of guilt on you. Like, I think that kind of thing is out of my like out of my element a right. little bit. So when you talk about like men being empowered as they get older and women being less empowered, it, I'm learning a lot talking to you about this. Mm. I totally, you know, love and embrace the move toward uh, witch, witchy things. Witchyhood? Yeah. Wit- oh, what's a good name for it? Witchwit? Witchyhood? Witch, witch, witchhood? Witchcraft. Witchcraft. Being a witch. Yeah. Why am I trying to fix something that's not broke? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> gross sorry Um, my brain is um my brain is like in the fog well we're i mean this is i'm pretty excited that we're even doing this because you know it's january you know first dropping this january 2nd yes whole new year whole new year didn't miss an episode so excited for everything that's to come this year we've got some exciting news that i don't think we can say today no, but once they announce it, we can announce it. Yeah, we'll be seeing. I guess hopefully next week. Yeah, uh, some good stuff that's coming up for us, uh, doing exciting things in exciting places. Um, and uh, I don't know. I just think that I'm I'm excited that we're even sitting here talking to each other today. So yeah, we did a good job. We did great. Do you want to do some? <laughs> let's do some celebrate. Sorry, this one wasn't funny, Mary Jane. This I, one got real. I know. Is that okay? I think I loved this. Okay, I, good. I, I walked into it being like, oh, I'm going to be silly and be making jokes yeah. and keep it light. But I feel that this was really rewarding. I liked this so much. Really? Yeah. But okay. I'd like to do something light and do some buds of the week. Okay. And Just tell me if I talk too much. You I, know what I mean? I not, got you. Not in a patriarchal kind of shut me down way, but. <laughs> you know what you should do? Yeah. Hey, Mary Jane, you know what you should do? Can a mansplain? A little advice for you. Mm-hmm. Just like a touch of advice. Take it or leave it, but I would take it. Wow. I know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Say something like that. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Let's do some stuff. Let's do some Buds of the Week. Yes. Buds of the Week. Uh, So we each picked somebody for this new segment we're doing where we just want to shout out some Buds. Yeah. Uh, My Bud this week, I want to give his Instagram. He he calls me... I like him so much. He calls me his uh, weed daddy and you his weed mom. I'm his weed mom. Yeah. And his art is phenomenal. Uh, Let me pull it up. But this is Nick. His name is Nick Lamb. And uh, he's been hanging with us, chatting with us, writing to us for a really long time. He's very funny and he's super talented. So I just want to say shout out to Nick Lamb. His Instagram is Nick Lamb Photography. Go to his Instagram and check it out. And also thank you, Nick, for always talking with us. Uh, so I just wanted to shout you out, son. Yeah. Weed son. What's up, weed son? He talks a little smack. <laughs> <laughs> he's a funny guy. Um, I want to shout out uh, Chief Nugs. Uh, Stefan. Yeah. So Stefan is at uh, Chief Nugs, which is uh, C H 
E3FNUGGZ on Twitter. And he also has a uh, SoundCloud that's um, slash speaker bass, S-P-K-R-B-A-S-S. And he's just an awesome guy who's like been engaging with us from the beginning and loves like, I don't know, kind of always jumping into the fray and sending us pics. And so this week he (laughs) sent a pic. He said, one more food post from my favorite food people in 2018. Here's a properly cooked prime rib I made to celebrate. And it's just the, the juiciest, reddest, most beautiful piece of food porn and uh it made my mouth water and my mouth is actually watering right now and then uh i wrote back and i was like this is how it's done and he was like you guys make me feel good about myself and i was like that is honestly everything that i could ask for to hear someone say you know you you guys make me feel good yeah i i think that's kind of what we're after that's all i want that's all i want yeah i i love listening to things that make me feel good i mean i have a few podcasts that i follow to just make me feel better when I'm down. Like when I was with my family at Christmas, there were a couple that I really relied on to get me through some tough times. And so to think that, you know, our uh, podcast has done any of that for anyone, it was just fucking cool. Absolutely. So shout out to Stefan. Thank you. Yeah. And also that, that meat is perfectly cooked. Fucking juicy. God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Isn't it weird when you unnaturally swallow, you don't even know you're swallowing, but Mm -hmm. you swallow when you see a picture. Yeah. You just hear that glottal click like, (laughs) also i'd love to give a quick shout out to poke bowl so thank you so much to poke bowl oh it is poke bowl poke bowl yeah so they sent us a bunch of really fun free stuff um not only did they send us some smooth cool beautiful glass pipes that we're going to put online they're kind of striped like a candy cane for the holidays yeah but they also sent us some um poke a bowls that you clean your bowls with yeah. Uh, clean you your ash hole clean your ash hole <laughs> so follow them on instagram check it out oh also i found out that oh well, well one it's at poke bowl p-o-k-e-a bowl um <laughs> and they use them on doug benson's uh show oh sweet getting dug with high they yeah. use these to clear out their bowls and they're so easy and they're so cool yeah it's great it's just a, a really kind of like simple little container with a stick in the middle of it like a spike that you can use to clean your ash hole mm-hmm. which i just like saying so much <laughs> <laughs> It's cool, too, because um, like it traps the smoke. There's no smell. Everything is clean, easy. And mm-hmm. also, when you have a bunch of ash in there, it just slides right out like a it's Teflon like a pan. it's silicon mat mm-hmm. or something? I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I don't know. I just get high and say, thank you. Sorry, I just interrupted. <laughs> no, <laughs> silicon mat. Okay. Sure. Great. No, I think I think that they um, every time you use it, you have to spray it with Pam. Great. Yeah. <laughs> clean your ash hole. <laughs> So thank you so much, Pokeball. Um, thank you for sending us these wonderful treats. Um, maybe we can um, we can do a little Instagram post with it. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Let's Use a little bit of mimosa. Yeah, a little of this fucking awesome weed that I like. That oh, I'd like to shout those guys out. It's the this uh, was grown by um, City Compassionate Caregivers. Their line of flowers is called the Cure, and they're in downtown LA. And if you're ever in LA looking for a great dispensary, they're one of my favorites. They are uh, medical and rec, and they are um, just brightly lit and huge with really knowledgeable bud tenders. And I love their stuff. So great, yeah. very nice. Yeah, um, I'm ready to go to bed. Oh, I want some fucking ramen, and then I'm going to go to bed. Okay. I'm ready to eat some ramen and then go to bed. (laughs) Awesome. I feel great. Thank you, everybody. Happy New Year. Um, If you made a resolution, I hope that it works out. I will say, make a vision board. Yeah. They work. Treat yourself. Make a vision board. 
Um, but anyway, thank you for listening. Like, subscribe, tell a pal, leave a review. It helps so much when you review it and leave a rating. Uh, Mary Jane, take it home. My brain is oh, done. Yes. Getting, gonna get you some ramen. Um, okay. Yeah. Slide into the DM. Send us some hot whisk pics and have a great uh, beginning to this beautiful new year. Let's, you know, all smoke a lot of great weed and eat some good grub and talk to some interesting people in 2019. I love it. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye.